Good morning, everybody. Glad you are all here. I'm, I'm up here. I'm saying that to my wife because she keeps talking. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, God. Um, we thank you for this Christmas season that uh, we get to celebrate the birth of your son. And Lord, I pray that you help us to remember that it's not all about the birth, uh, though that is excellent. That's something to be praising the Lord about. But it's about the whole reason Jesus came to this earth. He came here uh, to save our souls and to die in our place. And we, Lord, we thank you for that. Uh, we ask that uh, as we go through our service today, as we um, worship you with our voices and worship you with our offerings and worship you by listening to your word, that our focus would be on you. Lord, uh, uh, we just give you the praise for all that you do for us, Lord, because you are amazing. So much uh, more than we could even possibly comprehend. Thank you, God, for being an amazing God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, a couple quick announcements. Um, first off, uh, Barb Solomon, if, if you've not heard, Barb Solomon passed away yesterday, yesterday morning. Um, Barb Solomon's, Ron Solomon's wife, they've been a part of this church for many, many, many years. And uh, uh, they had called the family in on Thursday thinking that that's when it was going to take place, but it didn't happen until yesterday morning. So uh, be in prayer for uh, Ron, uh, his her, her husband, as well as Mark and uh, his family, uh, their, their son. Uh, so there's not going to be a funeral at this time um, because Ron is not feeling good at all. And so there's going to be a memorial service sometime in January. And whenever we know, I will let you go all know that. And the memorial service will be here, most likely. So, uh, uh, and and uh, also, I think... Was a lorry? Somebody said, uh, "Don't inundate them with uh, uh, with all kinds of food." Uh, but uh, you know, I'm sure if you by chance are making something, you have a little bit left, uh, and you want to give some to him, I'm sure he would be very happy with that. Uh, right now, he's sick, so maybe not right now. But uh, just just pray for them. Uh, pray for him. Uh, and, and I know that I know that Brother Ron wanted to be with her, wanted her to be home. But uh, it was just not the way that God had it all planned out. So please pray for them. Um, it's hard going from that to like regular announcements. But um, you know what? Let's just, I know we just prayed, but uh, let's stop and pray for the, the Solomons. Rick, would you? Dear Heavenly Father. Amen. When I, uh, speaking of uh, that, you said that we know that she's with him. Uh, when I talked to them on uh, Thursday, they, Ron is, they're not scared of where she was going. They knew where she was going. They weren't sad that she was going to heaven. There was, you know, it's the sadness is the loss. So uh, they pray, we praise the Lord for that relationship and, and that. Okay. Um, we have in our bulletins here uh, announcements. Our Christmas Eve services are going to be a little bit different this year. We've got uh, our Christmas Eve, we're going to have an early service at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then we're going to have a carry-in breakfast after that. Uh, and then uh, no um, Sunday school and no 11 o'clock worship service that day. Um, 
then we will meet back at 5 p.m. for our Christmas Eve candlelight service. Uh, that's all taking place on uh, December 24th. And along with those lines, um, I don't know if you noticed it, when you first came in the doors to your immediate left, there's a table there with a bunch of baskets on there with uh, uh, different, you know, different Letters, that's the word I was looking for. Letters of the alphabet. Uh, and that's for Christmas cards. If you want to give Christmas cards, uh, instead of, uh, we're trying to save you some money because postage is ridiculous. Um, so uh, drop them off in there uh, for those or uh, uh, your other people. And uh, make sure that uh, you're checking those as well so you can get those. Um, and then also uh, January 7th, the first Sunday in January, we're going to uh, have the Lord's Supper and Deacon's Fund offering. And then after that, the um, uh, Carrion Fellowship Dinner. So we're going to be fellowshipping with the Lord, fellowshipping one with another to start out the new year uh, in church. And I hope you'll be here for that. All right. <clears throat> with that all being said, I invite you to stand with me, if you would, as we lift up our voices uh, to worship in the Lord. We're going to start with page 197. It came upon a midnight clear. Great songs. Uh, love Christmas. Y'all like Christmas music? Yeah. All right. Then sit down. Um, that's not reason I'm having you sit down, but uh, we're going to take up the offering during our next song. It is uh, page 178, uh, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Yeah. 
singing. I'm going to ask Buck if he would ask God to bless the offering, sir. sir. All right. Uh, the last song we're going to sing at this time of our service is uh, in your bulletins, or you can look up on the screen. We're going to sing, He Knows My Name. Oh. 
good singing. Thank you for worshiping with me, uh, with your voices, and uh, let's uh, dig into God's Word today. So uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, if you would. Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we will read that verse here really soon. And then after that, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. So we are in the second week of our uh, Christmas series, uh, sermon series, God with us. We're looking at the different ways that God is with us in different seasons and different areas of our lives. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, that's the starting point for our series. And this is one of the most important verses that really solidify our faith and uh, believing in the presence of God. This is the verse that during our early uh, morning Christmas Eve, we're going to focus on in particular. Uh, but uh, I, I'm going to use it as the place to start our study. So uh, hopefully you're there already. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 23. It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's where we're getting this series, God with us. All right, you can flip on over to 1 Kings 19 now. So last week we learned about how we experience the presence of God while we're in the valley. Uh, that we learned that God is with us while we're going through the valleys. And uh, if you uh, were with us, we talked about the truth that we often enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we truly experience Him intimately while we're in the midst of the valley. And so today I want to take another uh, metaphor from Scripture, if you would, and, and that is the wilderness. So how do we experience God's presence when we're in the wilderness? Uh, the wilderness is different from the valley because the time in the wilderness usually lasts a whole lot longer than just a, a valley time. Uh, <clears throat> the wilderness is a barren place. It is a dry place. Uh, it, it's a desolate place where you feel very alone. One of the uh, actions that we do while we're in the wilderness is we wander around it. W-A-N-D-E-R, wander, okay? Um, we, and we wonder while we're wandering. I have to kind of focus on that as I say it. We wander, W-O-N-D-E-R, while we're wandering around. Uh, and we're like, when, when in the world is this going to be over? When, when are we going to get out of this wilderness? And some of you right now, you might be in some type of a wilderness today. You're, you're stuck in your job and you're wandering, wandering, no, wondering. Yeah, wondering, W-O-N-D-E-R-I-N-G. You're wondering, should I stay in this job? Or, or should I go back to school? Or, and, and then, well, if I go back to school, then I'm going to have uh, student loan debt. Um, okay, but, but if I do that, then maybe I'll get a better job. And, and uh, you know, I'm kind of stuck in the place. Should I, should I stay or should I do something different? Maybe that's your wilderness that you're in. And, and maybe you're like, well, I'm renting a house right now. And um, should I buy a house instead? I mean, I'm not getting the equity in this. But if I do buy a house, I might, you know, if I find to buy a house, I might get transferred from my job. I just don't know. And it just goes on and on and on, and you're thinking about different things. And, and when we're, we're, we're wandering around in the wilderness, we have to understand that there's going to be times when we feel alone. 
And we're going to feel uh, lost. We're going to feel disoriented. We feel like nobody really understands what we're going through in the wilderness. Now, when we look in the Bible and we see the wilderness experiences, what you need to understand that many times they, the wilderness experiences take place after a mountaintop experience. And, and, you know, that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Uh, he had a mountaintop moment when he was baptized by John the Baptist at that time in, in the Jordan River. Uh, literally, the heavens opened up. The Holy Spirit descends down on him uh, in the shape of a dove, in the form of a dove. And God verbally, God the Father, verbally from heaven, publicly expressed his love and his approval for his son. And he says, this is my son in whom I uh, well pleased. Uh, uh, that, you know, that's pretty amazing. You know, it's a father saying, I'm proud of my son. It's a mountaintop experience. And if you look in the Bible, f- straight from that moment, it says he goes into the wilderness. He is driven into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted for the next 40 days. Mountaintop followed by wilderness. Some of you, uh, it might have been like that. Things are going great. Then you find out that someone wasn't being honest with you. And suddenly you're in a wilderness. You thought maybe your spouse was actually being faithful, but your spouse wasn't. Uh, now you're in the wilderness. You're in a financial wilderness maybe. You're trying and you're trying and you're trying to get out of debt. You feel so desperate. Whatever you do, it just doesn't seem to work, doesn't uh, alleviate anything. And you've tried to tell people how you feel, and they just don't understand. You feel all alone. You feel spiritually dry. And you feel desperate. It's because you're in the wilderness. Now, let me pause here for a second, because I want to say something here. Um, Sometimes people go to other individuals, Christians that they know, friends, you know, Christian friends that they know, and they, and they share something with them, and it seems like they don't want to listen, or they're not truly listening. Um, if someone is trying to tell you that they're struggling with something, please, with everything that is within me, please, when, when, when they are telling you that they're struggling, do not belittle them or belittle the, the concern or throw away the concern. I remember when Stephanie was struggling when, when Nathan um, was, we were trying to potty train him. And he started and he was doing well and then he stopped and he wasn't doing well. And it was months and it was just frustrating. And she was uh, with some of the ladies of the church and she was talking to them. Not this church, a previous church. And uh, they, one of the, the mothers said, oh, you're worried about that? that? That's nothing. Just wait until they get older, and then you'll have something really to worry about. And, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, that's, it's not that big of a deal. But in the moment to her, potty training him was a huge deal. And she felt like no one was listening, no one understood the problems that she was having. Uh, um, and it was defeating to her. Uh, uh, not that long ago, I, I expressed to a group of pastors that I was struggling in my own prayer life. And uh, uh, that, that I struggle uh, so much with that. And almost every single one of them said something to the fact, well, of course, none of us pray as much as we want to pray. You know, they said some, some form of that. And you know what? That wasn't my concern and I didn't correct them because it was hard enough for me to share something that I was struggling with. And uh, um, so I didn't concern them. So please, 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 
When someone interacts with you about a struggle that they're having, don't poo-poo them. You know, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, take it serious and listen to them and let them know that it is, if it's concerning to them, it's, it's okay. We, we can talk about this. Um, okay, that's, that's just back to my mess. I just want to share that. Uh, because I think sometimes as Christians, uh, we don't want to get our hands dirty in some of those situations, so we just kind of like make a joke about it. Um, but if someone's truly struggling, we need to help them in the midst of that. Okay, like I said, back to the message. So what I want to do today is, is show you one big thought, and we're going to come back uh, again again to it. What I hopefully will not just be true, uh, but it would not only be true, but it would uh, be true to your spirit as you live it out, as you, you listen to this. Um, your deepest need, as much as it hurts, your deepest need uh, uh, becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Um, we're looking in First in Kings 19. Hopefully uh, you'll see this. You'll see it lived out very, very well. Um, and, and I'll give you a little background here. Elijah the prophet is, is being used by God in massive ways. He, he literally is on the, uh, having a mountaintop experience uh, on Mount Carmel. He experiences the power of God. And, and almost immediately after this, we see him go from mountaintop to wilderness. And, and where, where he's desperate, he is depressed, where he feels all alone and scared for his life. Um, there is an evil king of Israel by the name of Ahab. And Ahab uh, is, you know, he, he's pretty bad dude, okay, very bad. But his wife was even worse. Her name was Jezebel. And uh, uh, now Jezebel had heard all about that what Elijah did on Mount Carmel. And she got mad and essentially said to her husband, look, you can't do the job right. I'm going to take over here. This is a woman's job. Why am I letting a man do this? And so she sends word to Elijah that by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. And uh, she threatens him. King Ahab had been mad at him before for years and years and years. And Elijah's like, okay, cool, whatever, dude. Um, but as soon as this woman got mad, Elijah took it very, very serious and got very, very scared. And he kind of, well, he ran away. Let's look here. First Kings chapter 19, verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. By the way, that was 450 prophets of Baal that was killed. Uh, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. There's a lot of stuff in that, the, that passage. I, I encourage you to study that up. Just read it over. Look at it again. It's, it, it's an amazing passage there. But what happens here is Elijah runs. He ran. Uh, now, when, you just, when we just read that text, you may not understand how far this guy actually ran. I mean, this was before Uber. This was, you know, this was all on foot. He runs for, uh, about 100 miles to get away from this angry woman. Um, some of you guys can understand that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go there. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's just running like crazy. He is out of Dodge. He runs around 100 miles to get away, uh, uh, to get to this area in the wilderness. And Elijah is afraid. Look at verse 4. 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. You see, when he was, uh, I mean, he was just on the mountaintop. But now, just a day later, a couple days later, he's in the midst of the wilderness. He ran from the mountaintop to the wilderness. He purposely ran to the wilderness at this time. And he's alone. He's scared. He's hurting. He's desperate. And then he says the, says the words that so many of us have said or felt at some point in our lives. He said, that's it, God. I've had enough. I can't handle this anymore. He, you know, previous to this, he fought with bravery. He had faith. He had courage. Finally, he gets to the end of his rope and he says, all right, that's it, Lord. Oh, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. And I'm certain there are some of you that at some point in your life, maybe even now, you've said those words, I'm done. I'm spent. I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. Uh, If you've ever raised kids, you know exactly what we're talking about here, okay? Uh, Sometimes those kids get a little rowdy and you're yelling at them and say, that's it, I've had enough. I've had enough to hear with you, you know? Uh, Just stop being children. (laughs) Grow up. We get frustrated. Um, You know... And you say, don't make me come back there. You know, we say that to our kids. Don't make me come up there. I can't take it anymore. Uh, So, you know, maybe that's where you are. Or maybe you're in a work situation where finally it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And you're like, I can't take it here anymore. I, I can't take another day like this. This is horrible. Maybe financially you're, you're, you're trying to get ahead and you're trying to make progress and then your car breaks down. Your toilet overflows. Uh, you, then you got your two-year-old who puts a, a tic-tac up their nose and now you got to go to the emergency room for it. You know? And uh, you're saying, God, I, it's just one thing after another here. I can't take this anymore. You feel overwhelmed. And sometimes it's just the smallest things. You know, uh, you, you work hard, you serve faithfully, you make everybody maybe the greatest meal ever. You put it out on the table, it is made with love. You've even decorated the table a little bit. It's just a wonderful meal. And uh, um, they eat in 30 seconds and they're leaving the table and they didn't even clear the, the table. They just left their dishes there. And all of a sudden you turn into Jezebel a little bit. You said, that's it, I'm going to kill somebody. All right. By this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill every single one of you. If you don't get in here and clean up your food and clean up this kitchen, uh, uh, yeah, I've just had enough of it. It throws you over the edge. But you know what? This is apparently what is happening with Elijah. He says, I can't do this. Now, Elijah is not uh, an unbeliever. Elijah is not a rookie, if you would. He has been serving the Lord for quite a while. This guy has experienced God in many, many ways. He's experienced God with the presence of God. Uh, This guy had fought with bravery, bravery. He had fought with boldness. He had stood down an evil king and prophesied. And he called for a drought that would take place uh, for three and a half years for the, uh, as punishment to the king's sins. And sure enough, God answered that prayer. And the king is mad, and so he sends all of his forces against Elijah, and he hides for three years. God's protecting him. God miraculously feeds him through ravens from heaven. When God uses Elijah also to raise up a dead boy 
to living again. This prophet stands down 450 false prophets of Baal. He calls down fire from heaven. God shoots fire from heaven. Consumes the altar. Consumes all the water that's there. Consumes uh, the, the, the sacrifice. And then God destroys all those false prophets. Elijah eventually asks God to make it rain. He sees in the distance the cloud uh, size of a man's hand and he has the faith to believe that God uh, uh, is bringing the provision of rain and God does. So Elijah at this point in his life when he's hiding in the wilderness has already experienced the presence of God. He's seen how awesome he is and what God can do. The, the prophet has experienced the protection of God as well, as well as the provision of God. He has seen all of this, that God is faithful. He experienced God's greatness. And then one woman makes a threat to him. And he runs for his life. Now some of you may feel that way. You say, I've had enough. I can't do it. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm doing the best I can. And the best just doesn't seem to be enough of it. I read of a, a Christian psychologist by the name of Dr. Henry Cloud. And uh, he was talking with a group of uh, church leaders um, that was pretty much experiencing that same idea. Uh, you know, I just I can't do it anymore. They were talking about how they were just so tired. And uh, he said to them, he said, most of you really aren't tired. Because if you are tired, all you, you, just take a nap. If you're tired, take a nap. And then when you wake up, you'll feel a whole lot better. But he says, you really aren't just tired. You, you, we mis misdiagnose our challenges, you know. Uh, and for many of us, we are mis misdiagnosing what our real need is. You know, as I said, he, he, he said, you're not tired. You could just take a nap. That would solve your problem. He says, but you're not in need of physical rest. What you need is not in the bulletin and not on my PowerPoint. Or did I skip it? It doesn't matter. Uh, you're in need of spiritual replenishment. I don't know if it's in the bulletin or not. Um, he says, you don't need physical rest. What you need is spiritual replenishment. You're not just tired, but you're spiritually depleted. Do you need this? I mean, you're not just tired. You're not just overwhelmed. What you need is an, is an encounter with a very holy and a very real presence of God. What you need is an intimate moment where you experience the grace of God, the goodness of God, the loving kindness of God, the mercy of God, the presence of God. You're not just tired. Maybe you, know, uh, maybe you do need rest, and that's okay. Maybe some physical rest would be good, but even more than just physical rest, you need to encounter the grace of God. You need spiritual replenishment. What does David say in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to what? Lie down. You know what that is? You're taking a little nap. You are resting. That's good. It's okay. And he says, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Not just tired, not just worn out, but uh, we need so many times the restoration grace of God. In our lives, not just physically, we're not just physically exhausted, we're spiritually depleted. So, what does God do? Well, God doesn't preach a sermon to Elijah when he sees Elijah in the wilderness. 
He doesn't say, uh, you know, this is your fault. Okay. <laughs> That's not the sermon, you know. Uh, and he doesn't give him the top ten secret verses to, to memorize so you can get closer to God. He doesn't do that. He doesn't even ask, where's your faith? What does God do? Look at verse number five. Then he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. God tells him, Hey bud, get up. It's time to eat. It's okay. If you listen to God, He may tell you, It's time to get up and eat a bacon double cheeseburger. Okay? It's time to get some food. It's time to get some sustenance in your body. Um, he says, Arise and eat. Verse 6. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. I don't know what kind of cake that was, but I bet it was pretty amazing cake. It was probably angel food cake. <laughs> so bad, I know. Sorry. Essentially, Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. But not just like chill out and laze around, you know, uh, but rest in the presence of God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just take a breather and let God restore your soul. That's why, in my opinion, vacation, you all need to take a vacation where you get away and just relax. Uh, it is so important for you to be able to, 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 to get away and, and allow God to um, restore your soul, renew you. Okay, verse number 7. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Now, I don't know if you noticed this before. First off, he said, Hey, bud, get up and eat. And so he got up and eat his cake. And, he said, and then he went back to sleep. And then the angel came back again. And, and I love that. Uh, sometimes I don't get it on the first time. I don't understand it the first time. Sometimes I need it again. And sometimes, you know, a third time, a fourth time. And, and I love it that God comes back to him, not just the first time. You know, he doesn't come the first time and say, okay, you didn't hear me, you know, it stinks to be you, dude. No, he comes back again. And in our lives, so many times he comes a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time. And, you know, it's, it's really amazing because the presence of God is going to continue to pursue us if we are his children. There are those of you today that God is coming back for you again. And if you don't get it, it's okay. He's going to come back. He's going to come back to you. And He's going to encourage you. Let's read verse 7 again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate, well, and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God says, are you, Why are you running away from me? What are you doing here? Some of you, God, may be asking you the exact same question. What do you think you're doing? Not in the way of like a parent, like, What do you think you're doing? Not like that, okay? But he's like, what, 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 What's going on here? You know better than this. What are you doing right now? You've got access to me. Why are you running away from the people? Why are you running away from God? What are you doing here, Elijah? Then Elijah starts to get a little whiny in his prayers. When things don't go our way for a while, we get whiny, don't we? 
It's not what we should do, but we do get whiny. And Elijah does this. He's like, God, you're not answering my prayers. You're not doing what I want you to do. Look at verse 10. So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, Lord, I am left. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Can you say drama queen a little bit here? Right? But when you're in the midst of depression, when you're in the midst of difficulty, things seem a whole lot worse than what they really are. He's in the spiritual wilderness. He is hurting. He needs His need is so great, he can't even see beyond his need. He's like, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody likes, uh, I'm sorry, nobody's doing it like I'm doing it, Lord. I'm all alone. I'm depressed. I'm desperate. And look what God does. And I love this. God meets him in, the, in, in his deepest need. God ministers to him in his moment of vulnerability. God brings healing to him in the middle of the hurt. Don't forget that. God is there for you in the middle of your hurt. And that's why your deepest need can become a gift when it drives you to depend on God. God comes to him again and again and he's reaching out to him in the midst of his deepest need. Yes, Elijah ran, but you know what? God comforts. Look at verse number 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Now we'll pause there. Because I am sure Elijah's thinking, oh man, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I need. I need God's presence. You know, I'm scared for my life. I need God just to reveal himself. This amazing God, you know, um, and that's what he's looking for. God's going to reveal himself to me. This is going to be so great. This is going to be so awesome. Let's read that first part again in verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. I'm sure Elijah's thinking, oh, God's in that wind. Look at that wind. I ever hear a wind that breaks rocks? This is, this is God. This has got to be God. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. Oh, surely God's in this earthquake. You know, the, everything's moving. This has got to be God. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. Certainly, just as the burning bush was not consumed in the presence of Moses, in the presence of God, my God is coming to me in this fire, this power, this is going to be great. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. The earth shook, but God wasn't in the shaking of the earth. The wind raged, and God was not in the wind. The fire burned, and God was not in the fire. Earth, wind, and fire. See what God, God did that. I didn't do that. God did that. Anyway, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Um, anyway, God, God, this is what I want you to understand. These things that we think are so powerful, so amazing, God was not in the remarkable. 
He wasn't moving where everybody could see it. He wasn't moving in all these, the, 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 this amazing stuff. He was moving in the whisper. The ordinary whisper. Why is it that when life is so difficult, God's voice is so quiet? Why is He so gentle? Why is His voice so still and so small? If God wants us to hear Him, why, doesn't he, uh, why does He whisper? Why doesn't He just shout it out to us? Why, does he, why doesn't He speak in powerful, spectacular ways? If He wants to, us to know Him and to hear Him, why does He whisper? I'll tell you why. And I love this. If you've never thought about this before, when you want to whisper to someone... What do you have to, where do you have to be? You've got to be close to Him, right? God whispers because He's close. Because He's right there with you. He whispers because He is near. Also, have you ever noticed, have you ever been in a conversation or something and somebody gets quiet on you and they almost begin to whisper? What do you inevitably do? You get quiet. You say, hey, what? No. Uh, we may. But when someone's whispering, our focus narrows in on what they're saying. I think that's so many times why God whispers, so that all the other distractions that are around, we're just kind of blocking them out, and we're focusing on what He is saying to us. The devil will shout his lies, but God whispers his truth. God doesn't shout to get your attention. He whispers to draw you close. What does He say to you? He says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I've been with you every single moment and I love you more than you can possibly imagine. When you hurt, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you in the valley. I'm with you in the wilderness. I'm with you in the storm. Why does God whisper? He whispers because He's right there with us and He's close. I'm sure none of y'all in here were scared of storms growing up. But if you were, or if you had children who did, uh, what did you want to do when those storms came? You know, your children or, or, or you, you wanted to run to mom and dad's bed, right? And, and you wanted to get as close as you could. And uh, you wanted to be in the bed with them. And maybe they didn't want you in their bed because that's just weird, okay? Uh, and I'm all for that. That's just weird when your kids come into your own bed, but that's just me. But uh, maybe you're there and you're trying to figure out well, no, you, the storm comes, and you just want to be close to the ones who can make you feel safe, and so you get as close as you can. Maybe you're just laying on the floor. Maybe you just want to be near them. Here, here's this. Think about this. You never have to run for God's bed. Because when the storms of life come, He's already there with you. You don't have to go running to find Him. He's already there with you, and I love that. If your heart is hurting right now and you feel broken hearted, hearted and you're asking, where in the world is God? Let me tell you where God is. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and, and save such as have a contrite spirit. Why does He whisper? Because He's close. Because He's near. Because He's with you. David said in Psalm 23, I'm going to read this, the, the whole Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Remember from last week, the valley, it's not my destination. I'm just passing through. The valley, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why does God whisper to His sheep? Because He's close, and He knows His sheep by name, and he, he, His sheep knows His soft and gentle voice. David said of God's presence in Psalm 139, verses 7-10, through 10, he's like, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even where your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me, I'm, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. How close is God? Close enough to whisper in your ear, and close enough to hold your hand. Why does God whisper? Because He's close. Then one day you'll discover that your deepest need that you're going through right now can become a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Here's what I hope you'll understand this morning. We enjoy God on the mountaintops. It's amazing. We love that. We talked about this last week. But you get to know Him intimately in the valleys. When, when we're wandering in the wilderness and we feel like nobody understands, He understands and He cares. He is always good. He wasn't in the booming earthquake. He wasn't in the rushing wind. He wasn't in the raging fire. Where was He? In the whisper. And if you'll stop for a moment from the busyness, from the rush of this world... And you dig a well like we talked about last week. You are preparing for the blessings of God. He will meet you there. Because who is He? Well, Matthew 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. He whispers to us when He's close. If you're wandering around the uh, uh, wilderness right now, God hasn't left you, Christian. He's right there with you. You need to block out all the extra noise and listen for that still small voice. That's where He is. For those of you today that say, I, I want to hear God's quiet voice, let, let me encourage you to carve out time to meet with God. Tell Him, Lord, I need Your presence. I need you moment by moment and you spend some time in His Word. You spend some time in prayer with Him. The, the awesome promise from God's Word says when, he, when you draw near to Him, He's going to shorten that gap and He's going to draw near to you. You will find Him, uh, Scripture says, when you seek Him with all of your heart. And if you'll be quiet, for some of us that's hard, and you learn to quiet the things around us and not focus on them. And if you listen, you'll hear the gentle whisper of a good God who is always with you, who is always close. So where is God? He's with us in the valleys. He's with us in the wilderness. Would you stand with me as we go to the Lord in prayer?
Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for Your Word this morning, Your, your reminder that You are with us no matter what. No matter where we find ourselves, You're always there. Lord, in the midst of Your presence, I pray that You would minister to us, that You would minister grace to us, that Your, your peace and Your goodness, all of these things, that we would recognize and we would feel at rest. Lord, I pray for those who are in the midst of a wilderness right now, whatever type of wilderness they're in. I, I ask that uh, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, by the power of You, that You would reveal Yourself to them in that whisper. Lord, I, show, I pray that You would show us that You are with us and that You care and that Your grace is enough that You are enough. Lord, be that rock when our world is unstable. Be our strength when we are weak. Be our comfort when we're hurting. Help us to realize that Your presence is enough. It is enough. We don't need anything else. Thank You, God, for Your Word. Thank You for Your challenge to listen to you. Lord, we pray that uh, you would bless us this day. Thank you again for your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a verse of invitation. Uh, just give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. I don't know what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your life, but uh, if God's spoken to you, respond to Him. Uh, page 408, I surrender all. you so much for being here today. I pray that God blesses you. And uh, let's close our service in a word of prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, Greg Redmond, would you close our service in prayer, sir?